0: Discover personally how the Word of God can affect and make a change in your life through the ministry of Pastor Alistair. Pastor Alistair is the founder of Jesus Christ Ministry International Church with multiple branches in South Africa. is an evangelist with an outreach ministry called Jesus Saviour of the World bringing healing and deliverance and breakthrough to many people. Jesus Christ Ministry International is a vibrant church with young energetic people full of zeal and fire for the Lord. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel to receive messages every week. Now let's listen to Pastor Alistair. Do andele belebe ke paranda lava 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 rakazonga paranda maya lambra ando sabra andele meleme ke paranda lava rakazobra andala Caparandolome ka me maya. In the mighty name of Jesus, Hallelujah, Amen and Amen, Hallelujah, Amen. You may take your seat, Amen. Uh, please, if you can, just press record, Amen, Amen. Amen. Are you glad to be here tonight? you ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. I'm excited tonight. It's always good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. It's always good to sit at His feet. I think there's there's a song that we were singing just now it's i came for you it says um, just play that song again in the beginning of it i came for you <laughs> sing the the next part of that verse or the next part of that verse makes sense in your life is when you put aside the distractions then it's like I need you now you need your distractions your distractions are feeding you right now so it's only when you put aside your distractions then you realize I need you more than ever But once your distractions are there, you don't realize, I need you more than ever. So that means that the distractions in your life must die so that you can realize that I need you more than ever. So you must look in your life and find out what are the things that are distracting you. Oh man, I tell you. It doesn't have to be relationships. It doesn't have to be this. But there's a distraction in your life. It could be relationships. It could be your family. It could be friends. It could be TV. It could be your phone. Whatever is that is distracting you, because you must know whatever is distracting you is pulling you away from the Lord. So that distraction, if it's not, uh, I mustn't say a godly distraction. I don't know if there's godly distractions, but uh, if it's not... uh, drawing you closer to god it's pulling you away from god so like i'm saying your distraction could be phone your distraction could be money your distraction could be friends your distraction could be family i don't know what your distraction is so find out what is your distraction it's not what i want to share but find out what is your distraction so you can come to that point in your life where you say i need you more than ever and then you get to the next part it says Nothing else satisfies, so it means that that thing that was distracting you doesn't satisfy you anymore. You understand? There's nothing else that satisfies because now you are no more distracted. Then you like Jesus, take me deeper. So now you you want nothing else would satisfy you. You want to go deeper with the Lord, Then you realize I came for you. I'm a pastor. Not anybody else. I came for you. I came for you. Amen. Uh, let's sing that song. Let's play that song again before I get into that. You don't really even have to sing it. But if you want sing it, you I pray and I declare over your life today that anything that's a distraction in your life, it gets removed by the fire of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. And if you refuse to remove that the distraction, may the Lord, by his power and his might, take it away from you. Yes. It's a deep prayer that The Lord himself, take it away from you by force. It's like if you're in a relationship that you're not supposed to be in, may the Lord remove that person. That person will just come and say, I don't love you. I don't want you. I don't want to have nothing to do with you. And you yourself will question why. Why are they saying that? Why they don't want to have... It's the Lord removing them. Amen. We're not praying for people to die because... Sometimes when we say that, some people end up dying, amen, so we must be specific. So the Lord must just make them come and break up with you, or you must just go and break up with the person, hallelujah. Are you with me tonight, amen? Because distractions are a major uh, a major hindrance to the move of God and to what God wants to do in your life, amen? So I'm just hoping that this works, hallelujah, with the recording So. That's one of the reasons why I'm using a mic, or else I wouldn't use a mic. Thank you so much, guys, for setting up this amen. Uh thanks, Brother Emmanuel. Amen. Um, amen. So it's not all my books, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, it looks very nice. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Is a book that uh, Bishop Dagg has. I still need to get it. Um, it's called Become a Lover of God. Amen. Um, oh, sorry. Reasons why you must be lovers of God. Amen. I like it. It's nice. Amen. Isn't it nice? Amen. Are you... Uh, did I give you the scripture yet? John chapter 21. We're going to look at verses number 15 to 17. We're still talking about church growth. What does, uh, our, our prayer topic today is that we must become lovers of God. What does lovers, what does being lovers of God have to do with church growth? Uh, there's a lot to do with church growth and that's what we want to, we want to uncap today, amen. I am going to let you go home early today, amen, so that we can, well, when I say early, you know me, so... Don't get too excited. <laughs> Don't get too excited, Amen. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna look at a couple of things in the scriptures. One of the greatest things that God has ever given humanity—it's something called love. Love is uh, love is one of the. We said it on the. We said it the other day. One of the highest levels of maturity and stuff in a believer or spirituality in a believer's life is that when a believer starts to love, however, though, we got um, many dangers also with love. Proverbs uh, reminds us and Proverbs encourages us. He says that we mustn't stir up love before it's time. So there's a time that love has to be stirred up. There's a time where you have to awaken love in your life, and there's a time where love has to sleep. So when you awaken love in the wrong time, uh, not your love for God now, when you awaken love in the wrong time, what begins to happen, it will cause much more damage and corruption in your life. It will actually, love has the, the tendency of destroying your life. Lots of people commit suicide because of love. A man will, uh, a woman will cheat on a husband. a husband will take a gun and go and shoot the partner, the wife, and himself and stuff. So love makes you do crazy things. I don't know if you've ever done something crazy because of love. You don't need to tell me your story, hey, amen. <laughs> Maybe you went to go break a bottle on somebody or you went to go swear someone, you know. I don't know what you did for love, amen. So, uh, so love will make you do some crazy things, especially why? Because you woke you woke love up before its time. So, Proverbs tells us, don't awaken love. Don't let love wake up before its original time, amen. So that's why when we talk to young people and stuff, young people are when they when they awaken love. See, like the ages of like Keisha and Tyra, all these I don't know. 14 years old like their ages love shouldn't even be something that must be under your mind they're too young to awaken love because at this age if they awaken love at this age love has lots of dangers and snares and heartbreak and a whole lot of other things that will happen to them just now most young people feel that tingly feeling that goosebumps so it's a nice feeling so they think that they can awaken it but you should not awaken it it's still too very young to awaken it amen there's a lot of things that you need to accomplish in life to worry about love (laughs) a lot of things that you need to accomplish to worry about love you ask some young people what they want to do after their school they don't even know but they love boys they don't even know so you already that alone can tell you that they awaken in love before their time (laughs) They're waking in love before their time. They have no form of direction. They have no form of where they're going, what they're doing in their life, but they love. Find them kissing on corners and stuff like that. In the school, you got hey, I was in Ambilo. You find, you know, we were young, maybe in grade, I think grade eight alone, busy on the corners kissing in the school and stuff. And hey, I tell you something, it is serious. Yes, the corridors, meet me in the classroom and stuff. Yes, I remember. I remember years ago as well. There was a young. I was still young. I think I was in standard nine or so, uh, and I wasn't like really into into girls because I was saved. You know, I will not worry about girls until one friend introduced me to girls, and then afterwards I went crazy and stuff. But when I was in standard nine, I won because I was serving the Lord. And I was saved, and um, this one girl, she sent me a mess. She sent my friend a message please tell him um this was an older girl in a higher grade i'm waiting for him in the classroom i want to kiss him please hey you know how scared i was yo what did i i was scared 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 she looked <laughs> i never go i never go <laughs> i never call. <go. laughs> I, <never go. laughs> I never go she was very <laughs> she was very nice she would look very nice you know she was uh, Hey, but I was too scared. I loved the Lord too much <laughs> to go and kiss her, especially in the classroom. I like I don't. I wasn't even thinking about kissing girls in the classroom. I was just focusing on serving the Lord and stuff. And somebody wants to kiss me in the classroom. Hey, I tell you, it was something else. I feel like if I had woken that thing that time there, it would have killed me. I think I would have been running crazy. You know, I wouldn't have gone to, because uh, I was in charge of uh, the Student Christian Association in school, I would have abandoned that for this one kiss. You know, sometimes one kiss can destroy your life. Yes, oh, you're loving me. I'm telling you. If you've never had a kiss like that before, yes, that one kiss. So, our real challenge, our real challenge and our real problem is not really love in itself. Because love is pure. Love is holy. God is love. There's nothing wrong with love in itself. Uh, but it's the awakening love before it's time. And also loving the wrong person. Hey, I tell you something? Loving the wrong person can be more damaging in your life than anything else. Hey, I tell you something? You can be set up for, your life can be destroyed for years by just loving the wrong person yes that's why we always say that there's two important decisions you must make and please understand this catch it quickly but let me just talk about the one decision you important is who you going to marry and who you going to love that's one of the most important decisions you would make so it's not something that you jump into it and take it lightly and stuff even now recently i said i'm not going to marry people i don't do counseling with people are asking me for marriage i say come commit for six months for counseling yes just commit just commit for to some kind because you don't know you you want to get married but you don't know this could be your rise or could be your downfall and if i just agree i'm a part of your rise or i'm a part of your downfall so commit to that day and then i'll i'll, I'll marry you and stuff even if it's two months or something i'm gonna when there's two months i'm gonna tell you all the odd things about marriage Yes. And then maybe at the last, the ending of the counseling, I'll tell you marriage is beautiful. But I'm going to first tell you the hard things about it. So you know what you're going into. Yes. I'm going to tell you sometimes you're going to ask her to cook for you. She's going to say she's tired. She doesn't want to cook. Or you going to be able to go and cook for her? Yes. You're going to want six. And she's going to say, no, I'm tired. I had a long day. I'm not in the mood. Or you going to get angry? How are you going to respond to that? Yes, you're gonna want your clothes iron and she she refuses. How, what you gonna do? <laughs> so you have to talk about all those things and stuff. You see, there was a post on social media now. The lady says, the lady says, I serve my husband. If my husband tells me to do this, I do this. If my husband tells me to jump, I will jump. My husband tells me to go iron for him, I'll iron for him. Tells me to go and cook, I'll go and cook. To wash his pants, I'll do it. To massage him, I'll do it. My husband is my king, and I will treat him like my king. Hey, the woman they say, that's why I'm single. That's why I will never marry. Yes. Yeah, some women will say that. Yeah, because they don't understand marriage. Yes. They don't understand marriage. Because marriage is not your walk in the park. All of us that are married yet will be able to explain to you that marriage is not easy. Yes. The single person will say marriage is okay and nice. Pardon? Say again? Yeah, obviously there has to be some but I'm saying they has to <laughs> he looks he looks like he he looks like he's gonna cook for his wife. <laughs> yes. I agree with you. I agree with you totally and stuff. But if he does if he doesn't wanna do it, how would you respond as a wife? You understand? That's under definitely under different circumstances. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So you must, ladies, you must cook. <laughs> yes, make a meal. See, like me, even me, I don't mind a, a toasted sandwich or bread, you know, so i'm cool you know at least i'm eating something long instead there's that pot where you're considering me you know as a toasted cheese sandwich or something doesn't have to be even toast and just butter and a piece of poloni i'm still okay you know with peanut butter and jam and i'm still okay you know you're not those fussy men that say we must have meat in our pots all the time and we must have a meal every single day <laughs> We, oh, we're not like Pastor Ramon. Pastor Ramon says he has to have food in his pot. He says there must be meat. He doesn't, <laughs> he can't handle it, you know. So, so loving the wrong person is hard. Is but when you love the right person, it becomes beautiful and stuff right? But love can also be a distraction. I realize that Paul speaks about it in Corinthians. And he says that um, he, he charges our husbands. And he says, husbands, love your wife. Uh, as Christ loves the church and stuff. So loving itself is not wrong. Love is something that husbands, something that men must do, something that you must do, uh, which is to love, right? And then I realized something that he also goes on to say, that many people, it's rather that you should not be married. You should stay single. You should be unmarried. One of the reasons why is because your heart and your affection and your love is going to be divided. You you might not be a full lover of God when you become married, because it's a possibility that the person that you marry, you're going to send your affection and your love towards that individual. So you might not be a full lover of God. So he encourages the church. He says, Be single or remain unmarried like I am. But he says that he has the grace for it. And not everybody has that grace to be unmarried. And that's why you would look at Paul's life and you would see the many things that Paul has done. It's because of the fact that he was, very, he was single and all his life was devoted to the work of God. But then again, he also speaks and he says that if you are married, you must live your life as though you are not married, you are single. That's how you must live your life. And when I personally myself, when I look at um, Bishop Dagg's life, Bishop Daglife, life, he lives his life as though he's not married. He goes to crusades. He he does crusades backhand, just like this, just like that. And most of the times when he's preaching and he does camp meetings, you don't see his wife. His wife is not sitting with him in the church on a Sunday morning. Uh, His wife is not with him when he's doing conferences and stuff. His wife is actually not with him wherever he is and stuff. Because she is doing her own stuff. She has a ministry of her own. She runs her own church. So they probably, when they come back, when they're at home, their husband and wife. But on a Sunday morning, she's preaching in her church. And in a Sunday morning, he's preaching in his church. And they're doing crusades there. So on the outside, you would look at it, you might see it as dysfunctional. But it's something that Paul encourages. He says that when you are married, don't let the um, your wife... Be the distraction in your life, but even though you're married, you must behave like you are not married. Which is a difficult grace to have. Do you know that? It's a difficult grace to have. Why? Why is it a difficult grace to have? How can you How can you be unmarried when you are married? How can you behave uh, like you're not married when you are married? It means that your love for your wife. Mustn't be more than the love that you have for Christ and God, and for what He wants you to do. Uh, Basically, it must be your love for God must be more. So, it would be in a in a case of if your wife wants you to go to a family meeting or something needs to happen, you would choose the work of God and God over all of those things if your wife wants you to spend time with at a home, you would choose serving God and loving God more because God said you must do this so you would love God more. And so when I sit down and I listen to some preachers talk to me, um, some seasoned min- ministers and people that are older in the faith talk to me. They always say to me that they. this is, I remember I think it was last week or so that somebody said to me that I'm even if I have to close church, leave church, close the doors and focus on family. He says, because it's first it's God, then your family, and then the church and stuff. So then I never wanted to debate with him because he was more old and more seasoned and stuff. And I was sitting there and I was looking at him and I saw how far, I saw how far he is away from scripture in terms of what he was saying and stuff. Because there's no way, there's no way you can take God away or you can take purpose uh, as not loving God because we're going to, I'm going to show you a scripture now and this is one of the reasons why I mentioned it is that if God says to you, go to Zambia and preach Zambia is a form of ministry, right? God says to you, come and minister in the church. Come and preach at that church. And even though you might be going through the most you're in your family, your sons and everything, or they, they, they go in, they're rootless basically. Do you stop what God said to you in terms of a preaching engagement and you stay at home and you source out your family? Or do you do what God said you must do and go? Now, the challenge would be for most of them, they would say that God wouldn't tell you to go if your family is not okay. God will make you stay. <laughs> but Jesus was, the one, Jesus was the one that says, if you love your children more than me, you're not worthy. If you love your wife more than me, you're not worthy of me. So would he make you choose your children? your wife or anybody else for that matter over him Mm -hmm. if that's the case then one day when we when we get then the case would be that the reason why god died or the reason why god shed his blood was for you to be a good mother and for you to be a good husband or for you to be a good wife or for you to be a good uh father would that be the reason why christ died would that be the reason why Christ shed his blood? So when it's a... It's a I'm going to get to the scripture you're going to see. It's, it's a very fine line. And it seems okay to say it like that. To do it like that. you understand? Uh, it's because that people don't understand that when God speaks to you and tells you to do something... Your obedience to what God tells you to do is an indication of whether you love God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's an indication of whether you love God. Failure to do what God tells you to do is it's, it's to God that you don't love Him. So, obedience to God is like she really, He really loves me disobedience to god is that she's not really she's not really a lover of god yeah she's not really a lover of god she doesn't really love me that much you got children as well you can see the children that really respect and love you are the children that listen to what you say and obey and stuff even though every one of them was oh my mother but there were ones that you can see that you remember jesus said the peter's uh, john sorry said about himself he said he is the disciple that Jesus loved the most. That's how he saw himself. Because he really loved Jesus. He would often lean on Jesus' chest when Jesus was talking. He was the disciple that Jesus really loved the most. Because, and even when, when Jesus said, one of you are going to betray me, they went to John and they said, go and find out from him which one is he. To-. The scripture says they went to the one that he loves the most. Who, who is the one that's going to betray him? You understand? So there's there's that kind of love that you have for God through your obedience as well. So you must be somebody that genuinely loves God. Somebody that becomes a lover of God. If not, I always say that most of us are into God and most of us like God. We like the idea of God. We like the fact that God is there. We like the fact that he's around. But most of us don't genuinely, honestly within our hearts. If you're really honest with yourself, Most of us are not genuine lovers of God. Yeah, we're not genuinely lovers of God, Uh and it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing because we say, "I love you." I was singing when we were driving to church. I was playing the song as well. "I love you, I love you, I love you." It's easy to sing those words of "I love you, I love you, I love you" to feel comfort about yourself that you truly love the person. How many of us have ever been? in maybe in a relationship but your love for the person has gone but you try and convince yourself and you tell yourself no i love the person i love the person i love the person but you know within your heart that the love for that person has gone you no more love that individual anymore but you tell yourself, no i really do love you the person saying i love you babe but you know inside of you that your love is already gone there's nothing there There's none. and that's how we are with god That's how we are with God. We like, we like the idea. We only say to God, "I love you, I love you." But you know, your heart is disconnected from Him. You are not obedient to Him. He tells you to do something, you don't do it. You know, He calls to you to come away and have intimacy with Him and to read His Word, to study His Word, but you don't do it. So your heart's disconnected. You no more love Him, but you just trying to convince yourself and comfort yourself. By singing songs, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, to convince yourself that you're still a lover of God. But actually, when you look at your life, you can see that you're not a lover of God. Your disobedience to God proves and is an indication that you don't love God. Yeah, Because you have to define it now. You have to define, and Jesus defines us and he tells us what loving him is he doesn't let us know that, just love me. But he says, this is what loving me truly is. So you must become a lover of God. He says, if you love me, the first thing he says about love, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's the first thing he says. If you love me, obey my commands. So go to Jamaica. If you love me, you'll go. Or do I sort, wait, do I sort my son out? Or do I, he says, go to Jamaica. Let me sort my son out. The Bible even talks about in the book of uh, I think it's Luke chapter fourteen, where the the the, 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 the this, this guy prepared a great feast, so everybody to come and eat, and stuff. And when he went to everybody to invite them, everybody gave an excuse. One said, "I just got married, I can't come." The other one said, "I I just got business, I can't come." The other one said, "He says that for those that for those that rejected, they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Yes, because they put their wives, they put their their family, they put their business, they put their property, they put everything else before him. So he says, ah, they've been invited, but they're rejecting me. Because they think other people are more important than me. Yes. So he, he says, if you love me, obey my command. Yes. And when we talk about the commandments, we're not just talking about the, the, the Exodus chapter 20. We shall not stay. Yes, it's part of it. One of the commandments says, this is the perfect, he says the law is summed up in all of this. What is the greatest commandment? He said it's to love the Lord. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. To love the Lord. He says, and love your neighbor. I think I preached on it when sometime. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So he says, if you love me, obey my command. And then what's the greatest command? It's to love the Lord. Yes. It's to love the Lord. So when you fulfill that love and you genuinely love God, you won't disobey him. You won't sin. You won't, you would be obedient to him. Why? Because you love him. But now when we look at our lives, like I'm saying, amen, I need to preach about this loving God more in church and stuff. Yes, we must. We must be genuine lovers of God. Don't, don't be into Him. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I can imagine the heart of the Father. That's why this, we have to sing songs. Um, something about distractions. What it says again? I put, Why must we put aside distractions? It's because we genuinely don't love Him. That is warning us to put aside the. If we loved him enough, there would be no distraction. So we have to sing songs that appeal to our flesh, that that make us, that remind us that hey, we're missing the mark. Yes, and we don't, we don't sing songs about love to him, of how much we love him, of how much he is more important to us than anything. But when we come, we, we have to come and sing songs that would try and help us to, to love him. To try and help us to remind us that he's important in our life. Refine me. Refine me, I wanna be refined. You know? Oh. That you sing songs like that. Let to talk like that. Why did he say to the church in Revelations? He said to the church in Revelations, there's one thing that you have forgotten. He said you have forgotten your first love. He says, Go and repent and go back to what you used to do. Because I can see that you forgot your first love. And if you ever you see somebody, if ever you see somebody backslidden, if ever you find somebody backsliding, somebody that has fallen away. Somebody that is not in the place. It means that their love for God has gone. That's a, nothing else. You can see a person that says I still love God. Don't talk nonsense to me. That's talking nonsense. That's, that's garbage. You don't love God. Because God tells us how we love him. Imagine I say I love you, Ricardo. And every single day I'm eating you. I love you. You feel you feel ashamed. You feel a hurt. Every time I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you love me but every time I say I love you, I hit you. You say we love God but every time we say we love him, we sin. We do all the wrong things and you come back and you say I love. How would you feel? If somebody you, you pour yourself on somebody, you pour your love on somebody and he, the person says I love you so much. And then you say I love you too, but you sin and you and you do, and you. No, I love you, but you do all the wrong. You see, that's what the scripture says in Romans eight thirty five. He says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But there's nothing that can separate us from His love nothing can separate us from his love but i'm not really talking about his love for us as for his love for us it's always there i'm talking about your love for him or you are you a lover of god because the question here is not whether god loves you god absolutely 100 percent 110 and 50 percent, god loves you you can never doubt the love of god whenever somebody comes to me and tell me oh, they don't feel like they are loved by god garbage that's garbage. The question rather is, do you love God? Yes. So that's what, what am, I'm talking to you today about. What can becoming a lover of God help us grow the church? How does it help a church grow becoming a lover of God? So they came and, and, and this is what Jesus said. If you love me, obey my commands. Obey my commands. Stop it, saying it. It's Jesus that said it. Now let's look at this verse in John. And I got four minutes. I'll try and finish it up. Maybe tomorrow I'll also talk about it. John twenty-one from verses fifteen over there. John twenty-one verse. Oh, you've been blessed already. May you become a lover of God. Oh, may you become a lover of God. The songs like, "Draw me deeper." Deeper into your love for me. I mean, like, throw me deeper and deeper so that I can know you more. What happened to songs like that? What happened to songs of reflection of our love for Him? I remember years ago, Bishop Dag came to interfellowship. This is my first encounter with Bishop Dag, and this is the first time I received the call of God in my life. Uh, through his ministry i don't remember what he was preaching i don't remember the word that he was preaching but i remember he was calling for people that feel that there's a call of god on their life and as a young boy i felt that there was a call i was still in school i think i was probably in standard eight or so i felt that there was a call of god on my life and then i needed to respond no i'm lying standard nine i needed to respond to the grace of god i need to respond to what god wants to do so in my heart i lifted up my hand and said i want to be used by god i remember quite clearly the song if you love me this is what i'm preaching about now really love me feed my sheep oh yes i wish let me drink water maybe i can sing better Every now and again, when I when I feel disencouraged, when I feel like I can't push forward in ministry, I remember that encounter that I had, those words that he sang. <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> Wooden mic over here. <laughs> if you love me, really love me, feed my she, if you love me Re- I'm not singing I'm probably not singing the right tune but I just want you to hear the words right really love me go 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 then there's a part that says I'll be with you forever and ever and ever Go, go, go. That's how I felt the call of God on my life. And God said to me, Alistair, will you go? You love me, will you go? If you love me, really love me, go. He's sending us to preach his word. He's sending us to do his work. He's sending us to go on the streets when nobody else wants to go. He's sending us to knock on doors when nobody else wants to go and knock on the doors. He's sending us to lost souls. He's sending us to people that are perishing. He says, will you go if you love me? If you love me, will you go? Are you waiting for pastor to call outreach before you go? Are you willing to go? If you love me, will you go? If you love me, do you love the things that I love? If you love me, do you want the things that I want? If you love me, go. Oh, that was enough for me. I responded to the call of God that day, Samantha. Something entered into It was like the Spirit of God entered into my heart. And the next night, I had a dream of myself standing and preaching to people. Standing and ministering to people. And that's when God gave me Jesus Christ Ministries. That's when he says, I don't want you to, this is not about you. He says, I will build my church. All you just need to do is preach and go. Preach and do my work. Preach and minister my work. Oh. I tell you something. I wish I knew Bishop Dag. That time. But God knows all things I had to learn such as. I wish he came in that season of my life. I really do. I really do. You know, there's certain times where where you meet people and you ask yourself, why didn't I meet you a long time so you can impart this knowledge and this wisdom to me back then? You understand? Have you ever felt like that sometimes? Like all your life you've been listening to the wrong things and then you meet somebody. And like, why didn't I meet you back then? Yes. Some of you would some of you would say, Hey, I wouldn't be married. <laughs> some of you would say, Hey, I wouldn't be in this situation. Some of you would say, like, ah, what? Wouldn't even have children. Yes. Yes, yes. They blessings now, but you like you think about it, like you know, like, Lord have mercy. I love you, my child, but if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't be married. So let me tell you what I now know so that you don't have to make my mistake. Yeah. And parents, you mustn't be greedy with your children. Impart to them. Give them, fill them with wisdom and knowledge. Amen. So that was the day I I received the call of God. That was the day I felt a change in my life and stuff. And I continued to press on. But it wasn't the fact that I knew that God loved me, it was my response to His love. You see, The the book, yeah. Many are called. He loves you, so he calls many. Actually, everyone is called. Everyone is called. So because of his love, he calls many. He says, you are royal priest to a holy nation, peculiar people. In Peter, everybody is called. It's 219. Everybody is called. have been called do you love him enough to obey that call do you love him enough to respond to that call do you love him enough to say yes I put aside my distractions I put aside everything else and I will obey and I will respond do you love him enough that's the question and I think that I don't know I don't know I don't know Lord I don't know if our hearts our hearts have been seared or or, or shared with all the things that are in this world that we don't know what it's like to love God. Yes. When lost, have people, oh man, it's making me emotional. When lost, have people cried before his presence? Just because of, when lost, have we sang songs like Jesus, Jesus, and just say Jesus to the old song, and it's your love for him, and all that matters is Jesus. Now we have to sing songs that get us to be emotional. That's what is happening now. We're singing songs that get us to be emotional. You would rather cry for refiner than Yeshua. And Yeshua, I was sitting the the day when we were singing. It carries so much weight, the name of Jesus. So much power, do we know when we sing it? what happened to us are we a backslidden church are we people that have been backslidden why do we not love god why are we no more lovers of god why have we missed the mark why have we not been obedient to what he tells us to do we have missed the mark we somehow we have fallen short so many are called but there's only a few that are. It's only because that few respond to His love. I pray that you become a lover of God. The some card came out of here, right? I don't know whose some chord it is. If you need a some card, Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, and then you, and and then you see. If you love Him. You will have others in your mind jesus said let not every man think of the things of himself but that which is of others i think philippians chapter 4 verse 6 uh, just there, philippians 4 four to five he says Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let the mind that was in Christ be the mind that is also on you. Yes, if you truly love the Lord, others will be on your mind. If you truly love the Lord, you will tell people how to be born again and how to avoid hell. You will tell them, must be saved. You'll tell your friends, you will tell your family. I want to, because I love the Lord, I want to give you a warning. You might not like me. I want to tell you you must avoid hell. If you truly love the Lord, you would. I'm not saying take these books and preach on them. I'm saying tell them. Tell them. Tell them avoid hell. God will see. Ah, Ricardo. He really loves me. He really loves me. Let's go to John. I need to close him. So, when they are dying, are we there? When they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than these? I wonder what were the these that he was talking about. I truly wonder, what were the these that Jesus was talking about? I need to research the scripture. He said, Simon Peter, Do you truly love me more than these? Was he talking about the the people? Was he talking about certain things that he could see that were distractions for Peter? Or did he look at some uh, worldly things and say, what are the D's? Hey, please, let's research that. What, What were the D's? What were the D's? I mean, now I'm looking at that verse and I'm seeing it. What were the D's? What does your version say? These others okay and and the niv more than these so he probably was referring to the, the the guys that were around do you love me more than these so jesus was measuring peter's love by the against the others Sorry, give me a minute. Do you love me more than these? The camera froze. I'm wondering my head up and it's also looking down. Okay, I'm gonna get to that right. And then we're just gonna try and figure that out. But let's let's use it as these were the others all right on this I'm gonna go do research and see what uh, some theologians uh, and commentators say about the Ds right oh, and I want to find out why was Jesus measuring Peter's love against the others as well and why would he come to Peter first was it because Peter was the one that he said I will build my church and the case of hell will not prevail against it but we're going to find out all right in tomorrow's meeting hallelujah. Uh, So he says, and he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him now. So now he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said, feed my lambs. And he said to him again the second time because he wasn't convinced the first time. Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? And he said unto me, Yea, Lord, thou... See, first he said these, now he says, Do you love me? He never compare, and he never measured it up to nobody else. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. He says unto him, The third time, Simon Peter, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved, because he said unto him, The third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my Sheep. So Jesus was looking at Peter and he was saying to Peter, If you love me, feed me sheep. So, what does loving God have to do with church growth? If you genuinely, I'm going to say this one statement and then we'll pray. If you genuinely love God, you genuinely feed his people on a regular basis. So you genuinely visit people, you genuinely pray for people, you'll genuinely take care of his church if you love God. You won't leave it up to the pastor to do it. You will go and do it if you genuinely love God. May the Lord help us. So you can see over here if you love me, feed my sheep. Unless you still consider yourself a sheep and you still need to be fed. But if you not, you don't. You feel like now you are grown to a certain point, and you have become a shepherd. A shepherd is the one that feeds the sheep. A sheep, sheep can't feed the sheep. Shepherd feeds shepherd. Feed. Sheep can encourage one another, but they can't feed them. So that's why I believe that at least this year, at least 90% of people in the church must be shepherds, or 50% at least of the church must be shepherds 50 percent of people must be in the business of feeding but you first have to become a lover of god yeah amen let's stand to our feet amen were you blessed don't worry we're gonna be praying shortly it's not yet over we've for these 21 days that's all good But we're going to connect more. We're going to connect more. Amen.